You're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. It's Spencer German riding solo, unfortunately, tonight. My partner in crime, Nick Wilson, had a uh, personal matter that he needed to attend to this evening. So it's just me, not quite midnight here in Northeast Ohio, um, but the clock has struck midnight on the Buckeye season in disappointing fashion, of course, following the the 14-3 loss to the Missouri uh, to Missouri out of the SEC and and in the Cotton Bowl, an unfortunate one, an embarrassing one on a lot of fronts as well. As uh, I think people are still sort of coming to terms with what we just witnessed over the last four hours of our life, including a first half that included just three total points scored. Um, on top of that, the two teams had combined for just forty-eight yards passing in the first half. And they were one of 16 on third down. Finally, finally, the offenses came to life a little bit in the second half. Ohio State even moved the ball a little bit better. Missouri punching it in for two touchdowns. Thank God they did because there was that entire segment of the, the broadcast dedicated to touchdowns for teachers. Where they donated $1,000 to teachers for every touchdown scored in a bowl game this year. And it was really looking like not only was Ohio State putting on a pathetic show, um, but also they were going to do nothing in the way of helping teachers and the, uh, the education system here in America. So thank God they at least got $2,000 to the teachers, but obviously that was one of the most, the, the ugliest games that we've seen in, uh, Ohio state's recent history, but also just in general, the, the Ohio state season this year, it felt more like we were watching the Iowa Hawkeyes than it did Ohio state. And there's a lot of context to that. There's a number of things I want to get to with you tonight including whether or not this is rock bottom for Ryan Day and his time at Ohio State. Uh, I think that's a really good question uh, that we sh- that, I, that I want to address sort of in this first segment. But I do, in general, just want to kind of talk about the, the game at, at, at face value and what we witnessed tonight. Because even though it was a lot of bad, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there was some good things that we saw in this game as well and potential for some more good uh, in 2024. If some players are, are truly coming back and committed to this program longer term and, and not necessarily just going pro. So uh, I guess I'll start in that vein with the fact that I, I'm, I'm trying to balance freaking out completely and saying, yeah, the sky is falling on the Ohio State Buckeyes program with the fact that there is some important context here. The Buckeyes obviously didn't have Kyle McCord. He entered the transfer portal. He has signed off and and gone to Syracuse. Um, On top of that, you have Devin Brown starting, and it seems like the game plan was obviously built around him specifically as expected as the guy taking reins of this offense. And then he goes down early in this game, and I do think that threw things – sort of for a loop. Now, where the questions for Ryan Dale come in is how he adjusted without Devin Brown being out there. And this guy who's supposed to be a quarterback guru, if you will, struggling to adapt his game plan in a game that was clearly still winnable, 
even without Devin Brown or Kyle McCord or Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, three points is three points. It's not enough for, for an Ohio State team that's obviously thrived on putting up points this year, even in a down year, we'll call it, in terms of offensively and the quarterback play that they were getting. Uh, you still expected more from this team. So I, I will get to that. But I do think there were some positives in this. I think the defense looked outstanding. Um, I think if you're talking about a team moving forward into next year that can bring back a lot of these guys, and uh, the word on the street is that apparently a number of these guys are considering coming back. We saw the quotes from, from Jack Sawyer, who had a massive night on the field. Um, I, I can't say enough about the game that Jack Sawyer had, particularly because I've been very critical of him. Not so much just not so much from a standpoint of like calling him out saying, you stink, what are you doing? But three sacks tonight, four total tackles uh, uh, to go along with uh, an, an additional quarterback hit as well tonight. And he was a, a disrupting force uh, along a defensive line that played very, very well in general, I thought, in this game. And that was very promising. Again, when you're looking at a group that could return a number of guys that may choose to not go to the NFL. Um, I, I I think that's maybe the, the the best thing I can hang my hat on coming out of this game because, again, being so critical as I have been of Jack Sawyer, and, and Nick and I have had conversations about this on this very show. Like, you talk about a program that put out the, Jose, the, 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 the Bosa brothers and produced uh, Chase Young, among other elite pass rushers that we've seen come through the, 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 the walls of the Woody – uh, down at Ohio State, that's been missing. And, yeah, you've had some moments from JT to Omolo Tuomolo, and you've seen some flashes here or there from him. You've seen some flashes here or there from Jack Sawyer. But Sawyer, I think, late in the season did come on strong, and I thought this was probably his – I think, hands down, his best performance as a Buckeye. The idea of him coming back for 2024 – is encouraging if JT Tuomoloau and you know Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton, whose name was called numerous times tonight, if those guys are all back next year, um, Tyleek Williams maybe gives it another go. There's a, a lot to be excited about on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe Denzel Burke comes back as well. He had a great game. He was flying up and making plays in the run game uh, from his, his corner spot. I mean. Yes, and here's the other thing. I I, I was waiting for because it seems like every time the defense eventually shows so shows some chinks in the armor, people are just ready to pounce on Jim Knowles and blame it on him. I can't do that tonight. I mean, the guy pitched a shutout for the entire first half. He pitched a shutout all the way until the fourth quarter. I don't know what else he's supposed to do with his unit. He called timely blitzes. He he had his unit playing very very good football. He was keeping Missouri off the scoreboard. At some point, it was going to be up to Ohio State to produce more than they did offensively. They didn't. That falls on Ryan Day. There's no way I'm putting this loss in any way, shape, or form on Jim Knowles. I thought he called a great game tonight. I thought we saw the best of this Ohio State defense tonight. It was their calling card, our calling card all season, and I think that remained true in a, a bowl game that you, you had a lot of guys still playing and considering whether or not they're going to come back. And I do think if you get a number of these guys returning next year, this defense could be really, 
really special again in 2023. Or sorry, in 2024. I mean, a veteran group that could come back, a group that's going to have experience, going to be a little bit older. Um, I, I, I can't say enough about where this group could go if a number of these guys, Sawyer, Tuomoloau, uh, Burke, if they do decide to return, that, that unit is going to be top tier once again next season. Which brings us to the question about the quarterbacks because if that happens – and if you go into 2024 and go into next season with this elite level defense that brings back so much experience and part, and part of the thing that you've heard Jack Sawyer and others talk about is the fact that you have a defense that is that recognizes we haven't won anything while we've been together. Uh, this kind of junior class of guys, they have no gold pants, they have no Big 10 championships. They want more and they want to leave with with a be, a better legacy than what they've obviously given to this point. And so I, I think like that speaks for itself. That that's, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a driving force and some of these guys and what they're going to decide to do here in the coming weeks. Um, but for them to bring the, uh, for them to potentially bring a number of these guys back on that side of the ball and for them to then potentially waste a lot of these guys on that side of the ball. Um, with mediocre or meddling quarterback play, yes, that is 100% a concern going into next season that I have and I'm sure Nick has uh, when we get to pick his brain and sort of see where he's at with all this. Again, Nick not joining us for the live show tonight. He had a family situation come up. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just recovered from his eyes bleeding from everything that we just watched. No, I'm kidding. He, he does have a family situation, which – he will uh, surely be back uh, coming up next week when we when we do the show again, uh, our next episode. But we wanted to stick with doing a live show, and I'm here with you talking about it. I appreciate those of you jumping in the comments. I'm going to get to whether or not this is rock bottom for Ryan Day. Um, I, a lot of different people chiming in. I do appreciate it because I'm going to need your guys certainly jumping in throughout to give us some some content here for the for the remainder of the show. I want to go to. Uh, Radu, who chimes in a whole bunch on the show. We always appreciate your listenership and your commentary uh, when we do these live shows on YouTube. He says, they will never win anything with Ryan Day running the ship into the ground. Um, I'm seeing a lot of comments about how the Buckeyes, this one comes from 216 Dyer, Buckeyes are soft, just like the city of Columbus. Maybe a little bit harsh towards the city of Columbus. I don't, I don't know that they appreciate that one. But the Buckeyes certainly uh, feel like they are becoming a soft team. More questions about Ryan Day. Ryan Day is the problem. The only Ryan Day is the problem. The only problem. Why is Parker Fleming here? Ryan Day. Why was our center suspended for something soft? Ryan Day. He is the problem. Yeah, that was an interesting conversation I I, I picked up on leading into this game. In that you had a a different sort of setup to the offensive line. And starting uh, Matt Jones at center tonight instead of Carson Hinsman. And I don't know how much that played into things. There was a couple of false start and there was a delay of game penalty early on. Uh, the pre-snap stuff was an issue early on in this game. And I don't know how much those sort of the shuffling of, of players around that defensive line were a factor in that. But I do think 
Um, there were some questions there as to why that was the case and why he was tweaking some things here in a, a bowl game, you know, changing what's kind of, I guess, worked to an extent for this team or what was the status quo for this team. And I don't know. I don't know that I have a full answer to that. I haven't obviously seen Ryan Day's comments on some of these things. So um, we'll have to wait and kind of see how he addresses that. But yeah, I, I, I think I, you can't beat around the bush with Ryan Day anymore. And this leads us into the big question that I have coming out of this game in relation to Ryan Day, which is, is this rock bottom during his tenure at Ohio State? Listen, you're never going to be able to tell me or tell anybody otherwise that the, the three losses to Michigan weren't a weren't rock bottom moments and in his time here at Ohio State. But to follow up the loss to Michigan last year, let's backtrack for a second. Last year, you lose to Michigan, but you still make the college football playoff. And you give Georgia a, a damn good run, just about beat them. If Mar- we, we, We're still sitting here asking ourselves today, nearly a calendar year later, if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt in that game, are we talking about an Ohio State team that is actually a championship-winning team? Because I think they go on and probably beat TCU if that's the case, if that, if that happens, if that field goal is good, or if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt because Georgia had no answer for him, straight up. Um, so I think that's that's that, that was kind of a saving grace to a disappointing season that ended with that loss to Michigan last year. You felt pretty good. Okay, the future's still bright. Ryan Day maybe salvaged some, some things, quieted the haters a little bit by putting on a good show against the top-tier SEC team in the college football playoff. You saw uh, C.J. Stroud play the game of his life, and you felt pretty good about, okay, this season didn't go the way we planned, but everything's going to be okay. Two years before that, you lose to Michigan. You go into the – you go play Utah in the Rose Bowl, and you get the shootout of a game, and that game also gave you a glimpse into the future because you had Marvin Harrison Jr. breaking out. You had Emeka Ibuka breaking out. You had C.J. Stroud – paving the way for what year two with him under center was going to look like. So you at least walked away from the previous two losses to Michigan with reasons to feel positive, whether it was two years ago, okay, CJ Stroud looked really good and he still got a a plethora of weapons at his disposal, new young blood coming through. That's just going to tear it up at Ohio state and be this next tier of, of great receivers at Ohio state that should help the Buckeyes offense and, and, and help them be this uh, just dynamic, dominant group again. And then last year, yes, it hurt probably more than a Cotton Bowl loss, a meaningless Cotton Bowl loss to Missouri does this year because it was the college football playoff. It was a chance to win a national championship. I think all that's true, but you still walked away feeling better about things when the season ended. This is the first year within this three-year window that Brian Day's lost to Michigan that you feel like there's, yes, the loss to Michigan, but also not a lot of positive vibes now as you turn the page and look ahead to next season. You're not ending the season with any sort of moral. I understand the moral victory thing doesn't apply to the team. I don't believe in that stuff in terms of in the locker room, but I do think that from the outside looking in as fans, it feels good for us to find something that we can sort of hang our hat on. I don't know that you're feeling that the the warm and fuzzy vibes with this team now 
after the performance that we saw in that game. And, and again, I brought up the context of no Kyle McCord. He transfers. That probably throws a wrench into a, what you've done all season long with him under center. Uh, Devin Brown gets her in the first half. And that obviously proves to be costly for you uh, down the in a game that you were basically building around him and hoping to get from our perspective. And I'm sure from Ohio State's perspective, Ryan Day's perspective, you were hoping to kind of let that be a an audition or a tryout of sorts for him to kind of get a feel of what he brings to the table, what you have in him, if he's going to be this, this next quarterback in line for you and if he can run this offense and run this team. And we were deprived of that because he goes out with that injury. And I'm sure that did throw a wrench in things. But at the end of the day, guys, if Ryan Day is touted as some quarterback guru, some quarterback genius, for him to not be prepared enough, and he sounded like he he had no answers for what he was going to do with Lincoln uh, Keenholz at halftime. They asked him straight up at halftime, what are you going to do without Devin Brown? What 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 are you going to how are you going to uh, approach this game? And he said he kind of the, the tone in his voice. He was kind of like, "Well, we got to figure it out with uh we got to figure out what we can do with Lincoln." How do you not already know? How do you not already know in some way shape or form what you have in that guy and have at least some sort of game plan set? I wrote I wrote all this down in my notes I was taking during the during the game. So the Ryan Day play calling sequences in the second quarter, after Brown gets injured, he came back into the game for a couple plays. It was a Henderson direct snap. It got zero yards. Henderson direct snap plus six. Brown got sacked for a loss of seven. Then he leaves the game. They punt. They were backed up in their own end. Henderson, next next series, next offensive series, Henderson plus one yard. Henderson minus two yards. Henderson plus six yards. Buckeyes punt again. Again, they were backed up. You could you after that second series, you could tell he had no faith, none whatsoever, in Lincoln Keenholz throwing the football. Then you got an Xavier Johnson run. He got plus four. Keenholz finally attempted a pass. It was incomplete. Could have maybe been a DPI call on it. They didn't call anything. Um, and the ball fell incomplete out of bounds. Uh Keenholz then was flushed out of the pocket. He ran for two, uh, and they punted again. And then you ended the half. Uh, Henderson minus three, Henderson minus three, Keen holds quarterback sneak again, backed up in your own end. And they were ready to punt before there was a penalty on uh, Johnny Walker Jr., which, by the way, I felt like I needed a tall glass of Johnny Walker after watching this game. And uh, that gives you the uh, an automatic first down. And then you get Xavier Johnson plus 17, and then three straight Keen holds. Uh, incomplete passes. I mean, you could tell before the break that you weren't going to get uh, that. That Ryan Day just had no trust in Keenholz, none whatsoever, and I, it it felt like a letdown that, that that this guy who's supposed to be some some quarterback savant and, and offensive guru just had nothing, nothing, uh, in, in terms of answers once he lost Devin Brown, and that does feel on some level inexcusable. I, I, You'd be hard-pressed to find a moment that feels more like a rock-bottom moment than this for Ryan Day. In another season that ended with a loss to Michigan, and now this was your display in a bowl game? And I get it. I, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic about what this game meant, 
it was a meaningless bowl game in the Cotton Bowl to uh, a Missouri team that obviously had a good year and that generally I think you were better than on paper and and in this game for, for the majority of it, three quarters defensively, you dominated them. If you have Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison, you wonder if this, and you were kind of just doing what you've been doing all year. You wonder if this game feels a little bit differently. I haven't even mentioned the offensive line play, which was atrocious tonight, but I do think that plays into this narrative that this team is very, very just soft in recent years. And the, the recruiting in the trenches hasn't, been up to par in in terms of making them a tough team built for this time of year. And that never would have been the case, by the way, under Urban Meyer. So listen, I, I, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to Ryan day, because on one hand, I guess the feather in the cap you hang on to going into 2024 is that he's, he, he kept together the recruiting class this year, the, a, a top two recruiting class in college football and that you got a lot of talent coming in. But beyond that, like, is it just going to be more of the same? Is it just going to be, you know, the nickname for, for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. this year, Maserati Marv, that Gus Johnson used to bring up on the broadcast each and every time he'd call an Ohio State game. It seems fitting for the way this team is, is built. There are a bunch of Maseratis. There are a bunch of sports cars. They're fancy. But you know what? You're not taking them out in bad weather. You're not taking them out when uh, you're worried about getting a scratch on them. And I, I think this team is very much played like that. And I don't think it's just the receiver position. I think it's across the board. I'm, I want to know what they're going to do to address the offensive line situation because right now they're not linked to any of these big name players in the transfer portal. Um, I don't think they've landed a single one to this point based off my recollection and what I've been keeping tabs on. Um, uh, they, they obviously – have tried to recruit and make amends on the defensive line with recruits that they're bringing in most notably in Edric Houston, who stayed committed to the Buckeyes. So that was good news, but I still think they've missed, they, they've clearly missed out on some talent um, in, in regards to that area as well. Like I think that what we've seen from Ohio state in recent years and down the stretch of the season is that recruiting and talent on in the trenches matters maybe most of all and i'm not going to put that there, there's still a question to answer at the quarterback as well but clearly the the offensive line play tonight hindered what keynotes could do what devin brown could do because even when devin brown was out there he was running for his life i don't even know if we would have gotten a clear picture of what devin brown was because this offensive line was was similarly atrocious for him so th there's a lot more questions than answers on the offensive side of the ball right now and ryan day is going to have to answer to, to that like that falls squarely on him it falls squarely in his lap. I don't, I don't know that they're – let me put it to you this way. For them to be so timid in pursuing quarterbacks in the transfer portal because they're worried about disrupting whatever recruiting situations they have, and, and I understand Aaron Nolan is coming in, but I, I don't know. I, 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 this, no, it's not even – I don't know. This team cannot go into 2024 and – expect that the current quarterback situation is going to be enough unless the plan really is to start air Nolan to quarterback as a, as a true freshman, which would be abnormal for them and abnormal for this program. They got to go get somebody because I, I think starting the year with this group that they have is going to mean you waste potentially a really, really good defense with meddling quarterback play 
and that cannot be the case. Ryan Day, the pressure is on. He's going to have to win now when it comes to next year. He can't lose to Michigan again. They need better quarterback play, and they need better offensive line play. They have some things to address and answer here coming up in the offseason, both in the transfer portal and elsewhere uh, in terms of recruiting and what they do moving forward beyond the class that's going to be coming in this uh, this spring and into next summer, into, into the 2024 season. All right, we're going to take a break from this first segment. We've dissected a lot here. There's a lot of people chiming in on Ryan Day and want to get their thoughts off and their shots off on Ryan Day and his tenure, and we'll address some of those coming back. I also think, guys, I saw a tweet during the game, and we got to get to this, because as we talk about the quarterback play and we talk about what awaits next for this team and this program at the quarterback position, people were waiting, people were lurking, ready to come to the defense of Kyle McCord. I'm going to tell you why the narrative that we need to apologize to Kyle McCord is a, a little bit overblown here, and I think it's been overblown for for uh, uh, for over a month. Let's take a break here on Sons of the Shoe and hear from a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back to Sons of the Shoe. Again, it's just me, Spencer German, riding solo with you tonight with our live reaction show to the Buckeyes' 14-3 loss to Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. And we're continuing to react to it, continuing to get your guys' reactions to it. Um, A lot of different takes coming in um, on, on Ryan Day. I'll go back to Radu, who says in 2024, the only goal is getting rid of Ryan Day. Uh, we got Esco jumping in. Ryan Day coaches soft, and his players reflect it. I, I, these are all – listen, I think that point from Esco is spot on and that we've seen this team play the way that Ryan Day is coached in a number of different games and scenarios. When he puckers up, they pucker up. And in this game, the offense didn't look aggressive. Uh, they looked like they didn't have a game plan. They looked like they were shell-shocked once Devin Brown went out, which is weird because you – had already lost your your starting quarterback for the season, why not be prepared for all outcomes? And if Ryan Day is supposed to be some offensive wizard, I do think it it, it he has he has some things to answer to here in a, in a loss where you only put up three points. Back to Esco again. Tell Texas A&M about recruiting classes. Again, another really good point in that how many times have we seen Texas A&M or Ole Miss or some of these other programs put up a – a, a program best recruiting class, bring in all these top recruits and have by all the metrics and grades be one of the best recruiting classes in the country on 24 seven sports and ESPN and all the sites that grade those things. And then it, it equals nothing. Right. And this is my fear with Ohio state. Like this is my fear. What you become 
if you either wait and hang on to Ryan Day too long because you think you're you're not going to get any better, or you do move on and you don't bring the right guy in to replace him. That that's where this this is such a dilemma for me at times, and I go back and forth on it because on one hand, like yeah, Ryan Day's still landing the like like top recruiting classes, and he's generally still having success in the field. Um, he's getting the job done in all every game but one, and I understand that's the most important one. Um, but you could also argue there's a lot of coaches that could do what Ryan Day's doing and lose to Michigan the last game of the season and 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 not necessarily win national championships. Um, I, I do think the fact that the college ball playoff expanding plays a role in, in his future and why he's going to be back for 2024. But, uh, yeah, I do think the pressure is certainly going to be ramped up for him. It already is ramped up for him. In that you can't lose to Michigan again. Absolutely, it is inexcusable if you lose to Michigan again. So, um, it, it's it, it's it's a question for me because I don't want to see Ohio State become what Texas was prior to this season, which was constantly chasing a ghost of programs past that um, they just never seem to reclaim. Up until now, and it took them what two decades, not not quite two decades, but a, a decade and a half to finally get back to prominence where they're competing for national titles and, and finding the right coach to to kind of pull the strings. I understand Ohio State's always going to be a brand; they're always generally going to bring in top tier recruits. But if you don't bring in the right coach, then it could all backfire on you as well. So it's a problem because I'm not 100 sold that Ryan Day is the the guy moving forward long term, but I'm also not sold that you have a clear cut answer out there right now to take his place and keep things flawlessly moving in the right direction without reverting to being kind of a, a outside of the top tier, a, a brand, a top tier brand, but a, a, a second tier, a third tier program in terms of the products you're playing on the, on the football field. So that's what the dilemma for me, but I do think that this game has gotten me closer to, wanting to explore what other options are out there than not because of the fact that Ryan day looked like he was, he was lost out there with, and I understand the situation again, you lose Devin, Devin Brown, who you game plan for throughout the entire month ahead, leading up to that game. Um, But uh, like, to me, it's inexcusable to put a three points in that game when you still have some of the weapons that you have a Mecca Buka out there, uh, Travion Henderson, who we also didn't talk about in the first segment, reacting to the to the loss. He, I thought, had a really good game, minus the fact that the offensive line struggled. And because he didn't trust Lincoln Keenholz, Missouri was able to just kind of fill in the box. Load up the box, excuse me, and take him away. Bank on the run game being the the what the Buckeyes were going to utilize and slow him down. But in spurts, you saw that explosiveness. You saw what made him a great player this season and in previous seasons. And if he can come back too, like, you know, you have a true weapon in the backfield there for the Buckeyes, which is, which is also encouraging. But again, is it all going to go to waste because of the offensive line and, and mediocre quarterback play? Those are things that the Buckeyes are going to have to address now into the off season. I apologize uh, for the, the coughing. Um, 
as I try to get through this here solo with you guys, um, as we continue to react to the 14-3 loss, I asked the question on the other side coming into this segment, and I do want to remind you guys to please subscribe and follow the Sons of the Shoe podcast at the 92 Through the Fan YouTube page where some of you are, are, are watching this already. And wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, in the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, wherever, because we appreciate being a new podcast, your support, and we're going to keep this thing going into the offseason, continue talking about Ohio State football, and we certainly need your help and your viewership and listenership to keep this thing rolling. Man, it is, uh, it is a lot easier doing the show with Nick when you have a cold because I can uh, mute my microphone and there's not some awkward pauses in, uh, in the middle that you guys then have to sort of sit through and suffer with because Nick can kind of carry it while I'm dealing with that situation. So uh, that's uh, life with, with kids, I'll tell you. If you don't have kids, I'm sure many of you watching and listening do. I, it, my, my life is a constant cycle of trying to avoid getting sick as frequently as I get sick. So dealing with that here, but appreciate you guys joining us and sticking with us and powering through. And the question I asked on the other side, leading back into the segment was, do Ohio State fans, does Columbus owe Kyle McCord an apology? I saw a uh, a tweet that popped up on my radar during the game, this one came in from Alex uh, Onstead, who covers. Let me hold on. I want to make sure I get his credentials right here. He had he covers. He's he's part of the social media team on Saturday Down South, which is a college football website covering all things college football. And he tweeted a picture of Kyle McCord standing next to Devin Brown. And he said straight up, Ohio State fans owe Kyle McCord an apology. And I'm going to be honest, when I saw it in real time, I didn't think much of it. And then I started to think about it more. And guys, the idea that anybody who has been critical of, of Kyle McCord owes him an apology is just overblown. The idea that people have tried to disparage Kyle McCord to the point where it drove him away and they hurt his feelings and um, that like it's, it's Ohio state fans fault that they have higher expectations is just, it's, it's been silly to me. Like, like this entire thing has gotten overblown by him choosing to leave going to Syracuse where it seems like he's already being appreciated. I think by all accounts, Going to a place like Syracuse, I mean, for them, for their program, that's a great get as at, at, at quarterback. Like, I, I think McCord will be uh, will go down as one of the, the better players that they've had in the recent history on the offensive side of the ball. No disrespect to Tommy DeVito, who had his little uh, 15 minutes of fame in the NFL recently. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to say that he's not a good quarterback. And, and that's that's my problem with this entire conversation. Like, am I really supposed to apologize to Kyle McCord because he wasn't there to help the team win the Cotton Bowl and everything fell apart because of it? Like, the fact that they're playing in a meaningless Cotton Bowl is because he was the quarterback of this team and they weren't good enough. 
in the first place. They are there because of him. He is gone because of how the team finished this season. The idea, the idea that Makai McCord has been mistreated this year has been so overstated, so overblown. No one ever has said anything from my perspective, whether it's in the comments on this show, um, whether it's been listeners at uh, 92.3, whether it's been Ohio State fans on social media or commenting wherever on, on the Reddit boards or anything. I have never seen Ohio State fans just completely go after the character of Kyle McCord and say that the guy just flat out stinks and that he's a, he's a terrible quarterback and he has no future. And it's it's all strictly been. Yes, I, I the numbers proved. Granted, he did have the, the help of the top receiver, maybe the top player in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr. being on his roster and kind of carrying the workload is a, a lot of the way uh, as well. But you, you talk about um, his play this year and like, yeah, he is still a solid college football quarterback. And that's generally what I, from my perspective, been the consensus on him to begin with. But the idea that Ohio State fans can't have higher expectations and just say, yeah, he's a fine quarterback, but he's not good enough for Ohio State. There's not a problem with that. So like, I don't need this this sympathy this sympathy uh, trip from people on the outside looking in or people who just talk about college football generically saying, oh, the Ohio State Buckeyes got this wrong. Yeah, you can say that in a moment like this where they put a three points in, in the Cotton Bowl to Missouri and they look totally lost doing it as they lose their now starting quarterback early in the game. It, it, it's, it's the low-hanging fruit joke to, to make. And I, and I understand why people are saying it. But when you look big picture, man, like I'm not going to sit here and blame Ohio State or Ohio State fans. Like I'm not going to disrespect you guys as fans of this team, similarly to me being a fan of this team, just because it didn't work out tonight because they didn't have common court. Like that, that's supposed to be – I'm supposed to lower my expectations now? This team is supposed to be competing for national championships. Everybody who watched this team this year, everybody who watched common court this year understood – that the way he played football, what he brought to the table, was just never going to be enough for this team to win a national championship. So I, I can't blame Ohio State for being a little non-committal to him. I also can't blame him for trying to go find a place where he maybe would be appreciated a little bit more and where he thinks he can maybe thrive a little bit better. Maybe not thrive a little bit better because I don't know that you're going to get better than uh, a receiving core next year of a Mecca Ibuka, assuming he comes back. Uh, a potential return in Travion Henderson at, at running back and got receivers like Jeremiah Smith and Carnell Tate also returning. Like, I, I don't know that you have it more made in the shade than that, but yeah, there is a lot of pressure to perform at Ohio state that, that comes with the, the territory. He even noted that in his sort of farewell address to the fans that he put on social media. So he gets it as, as much as anybody, but to, to act like Ohio state fans were just so overly harsh on this guy and that they they uh, owe him an apology because of it is is laughable to me. Like there's a standard here. There there he was he was good, not great. And the 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 Cotton Bowl to me, him playing in the Cotton Bowl would have made no difference if he played in the in the Cotton Bowl and they won. It would have made no difference in how I felt about Kyle McCord and the future of this program uh, going into the next year. None at all. 
It, it wouldn't have had any bearing on it. I still would have said you need to find, you need to try to find upgrades at quarterback. I still believe that. I think that became even more apparent. So yeah, if you wanted to say that not having Kyle McCord pointed out that they have a bigger issue at quarterback and an offensive line, I'm willing to hear you on that. And I think that's very much true. But to act like it, it, the Ohio State fans were completely unfair to Kyle McCord, I think is silly. I think they understood and appreciate. I think that I think first of all, Buckeyes fans appreciated his efforts this year. I also think that they understood what he was, where he was, and how far he was really going to take you as part of this team. So it is what it is. Now, what that means moving forward, as I said in the first segment, I don't know that Ohio State at this point can stand pat and not look to the portal to bring in a quarterback. I don't know who that is. I know there's been some talk that uh, they're still in the running or potentially in the running for a, a Will Howard out of Kansas State who – I think passing-wise had similar numbers. I think 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and over 3,000 yards passing. So similar numbers to Kyle McCord this year, but also his mobility I think makes him a bigger threat. I actually think that would be a, a decent fit for Ohio State given that he's probably a one-and-done guy. He's he's also considering the NFL, so it's an option for them. Um, and I understand if they don't want to scare away Aaron Noland and, and prolong his time to uh, be able to start for this team. Totally makes sense. I, I I can get behind that to an extent, um, but I, I I don't think you can possibly like like if I have to hear Ryan Day a couple weeks from now or when spring ball starts, and and they haven't addressed the quarterback position, and he ha- he sits there and tries to tell us and and act like we're we're stupid and tell us that yeah we're gonna go into this thing as an open competition at quarterback between those three guys I, I, like it's going to make me nervous because we saw what that looked like this year and that's no disrespect to Aaron Nolan I think Aaron Nolan's going to be a great player but is he ready to play year one is the question are they willing to start a quarterback year one is another question they don't normally do that maybe they are and maybe that's why they feel comfortable with where they're at and it's and that's going to be the game plan but at face value knowing that that's not usually the case true freshmen aren't usually starting at Ohio State at quarterback I, I I can't possibly uh, feel good about the idea of them going into the next season with what they have and not addressing it through the portal. One other thing I want to get to before we take another break and get to a word from our sponsors, and we'll wrap up with the Michigan panic meter. And, of course, bringing back for the first time since the end of the regular season, love it, like it, or leave it. It's been a while since we've done it, but I, I have it covered. I'm doing it solo, and we'll get to that coming up. But I was asking the question, and Nick and I were actually, to make it clear, Nick had every intention of doing this show tonight up until a certain point when some family things arose because uh, we were texting back and forth. We were throwing out topic ideas. He was talking about how he was really excited to see Keenholz come into the game. He he is maybe – he Nick Wilson might just be Lincoln Keenholz's biggest fan. Like, if you're looking for somebody to, to captain or conduct or lead – uh, drive the Lincoln Keen holds bandwagon. It is Nick Wilson lining up in the front of the line. He's going to put his hat on and he's going to get on that train and drive that thing uh, wherever it goes. It might be off a cliff, but wherever it goes, Nick Wilson is very much in Lincoln Keen holds fa- uh, uh, pocket. And he, and he wanted to see him play tonight. He got to towards the end of the game. You kind of, you might've seen some things from him that were encouraging, um, but for the most part, it, it was a, a, a disappointing night offensively for him and this offense as a whole, as we've discussed. Um, but Nick did have every intention of doing the show. 
And one of the topics that I threw at him was about Travion Henderson as he sort of started to get going, started to get going. For a while, he had the biggest play of the game with a 20-yard run on the third series of the game. It was the biggest play between for either team for quite some time in this one. And I kind of threw out to, to Nick, if Henderson puts up a, a, a big game tonight, is it sort of his audition for the NFL draft? Does it mean that he is now going to enter the draft because he did enough and put enough on tape for teams to maybe consider him a higher draft pick than what he was going to be? And I I had that thought, and it quickly went away when I realized how the rest of the game played out, which meant stacked boxes from from uh, from Missouri and the Buckeyes offense scoring none other than just that field goal that they kicked in the first half. Um, I think that reverted me back to believing that Travion Henderson probably has a lot of reason to still return because I think you've seen in spurts from him that he can be this explosive player at the NFL level and that he probably is worth a, a I don't know if he's – there's always at least one running back that goes in the first round. That's like a top tier guy. If he can stay healthy, I think Travion Henderson can be that guy. Um, now that's been a problem for him in, in the last two seasons. So uh, if he's kind of trying to weigh, do I want to come back and risk injury again versus do I go to the NFL, get paid, whatever I'm going to get paid and just try to prove myself. I can understand that. But I do think there's a chance for him to increase his draft stock because if he can stay healthy next year, returning to Ohio state, man, that guy could be the uh, once a year, take a, a running back in the first round pick, because listen, we've seen it in spurts, even tonight, the 20 yard run, there was a couple other big runs. There was one in uh, the third quarter where he broke for, I want to say it was like a gain of 12 on the play. No, sorry. 15. He He broke for 15 yards on uh, a, a drive late in the third quarter, and he almost took it to the house. Like it was, it felt very reminiscent of Zeke breaking away from from Alabama. He couldn't quite get it get get past the last defender, but like those are the types of plays where you watch him and you're like, this guy really could be special if he stays healthy on Sundays. And so I, I think because you've only seen it in spurts, it does still behoove him to come back. And I don't know if tonight was the performance that leans. That, that makes him maybe lean more or feel more inclined to enter the NFL draft. Now, he's been very spiritual with his uh, response to whether or not he's returning. He keeps saying he's leaving it in God's hands. So we'll see what that looks like moving forward in the next couple of weeks. But I do think there's a good chance that Trevion Henderson, like Emeka Ibuka, are back next season for this offense, which with a lot of questions that we're talking about here tonight, I think it's going to be nice to potentially have some veterans who kind of know what to expect and you, and you know what you're going to get from if those two guys do return along with a number of guys in the defense, as we already mentioned, speaking of the defense, I'm going to highlight a bunch of those guys in love it, like it, or leave it on top of giving you guys my Michigan panic meter. Where is my panic level at after the Buckeyes lost to Missouri in the cotton bowl tonight? We do it next on sons of the shoe. I'm going to take a quick pause though, for a word from our sponsors.
Final segment of Sons of the Shoe, our live reaction to the Cotton Bowl, which wrapped uh, a, a little bit over an hour ago. Um, Buckeyes obviously falling 14-3. to It's Spencer German with his solo tonight as uh, we continue the conversation. And as always, we reserve this last segment for our Michigan Panic Meter. We also are bringing back Love It, Like It, or Leave It, as uh, we haven't had a chance to do that since the, the last game they played, which was, of course, against Michigan Thanksgiving weekend. Real quick, though, because I, I love to, to, to get to you guys and the comments you guys are bringing in through the show, especially being on my own. The commentary is much appreciated. Um, so let's uh, – I'm going to go back to this one real quick. This one comes from Go Black 45 and he says the key to Ohio State is hiring a strong AD that can pull the trigger, even if they have a decent year. And I do think that this is an interesting wrinkle in the Ryan Day dilemma is that you're going to have a new AD coming in next year uh, once Gene Smith retires this spring. And what is his tolerance going to be for somebody like Ryan Day? What is his tolerance going to be for uh, losing to Michigan, uh, a, a head coach that's obviously going to be on the hot seat? It's a very, very fair question. I also want to throw this one out there from Stephen Short as the comparisons to a, a former Ohio State coach continue. Day, at the very least, is on the hot seat for losing great Ohio recruits to other Big Ten schools. Oh, yeah, losing to Michigan. He's John Cooper all over again. That comparison is going to continue to haunt him. He is going to continue to be called John Cooper um, from this fan base, and and I guess rightfully so. I, I I have tried, as some have pointed out in the comments, to defend Ryan Day and stand by him because I, I thought there were some results and some things like like I, like I talked about the Georgia game last year and the playoff and the, the top tier recruiting classes um, that 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 showed he can still get this job done and that he still deserves some time. But a night like tonight, and, and I'm not trying to be too hyperbolic again about a game that didn't a lot and a cotton ball against Missouri when you're in the transfer portal era and there's a bunch of guys not there, but it, he didn't look like he had any answers. And normally, even in this era of college football being what it is, again, Urban Meyer always had his teams ready for these games. And he always had a lot of guys willing to still play even if they had NFL aspirations that they were sort of putting on the line or, or risking. Um, and we didn't see that. We, we saw some of the latter, I guess, in this, in this example, but we didn't see just the readiness from this team, specifically on offense. And listen, anytime you're talking about the offense and anytime you're talking about quarterbacks and what and, and scoring points and all these different narratives, it's going to end up being egg that Ryan Day has to wear on his face. Flatly, like it, it's on him. It, it ultimately falls 100% to him. And that's where we're at, I think, with this loss. All right. So with all that in mind, we need to get to the Michigan panic meter. And I, uh, Nick, always likes to point out that I, like you, being a fan, a, a diehard fan of this team. And I've talked about this before, guys. Like I, I'm a fan of a number of teams through my sports loving lens and life that I live and lead. Um, but the two that really seem to uh, like really draw my emotions that I get emotionally attached to the most are the Boston Red Sox, which you notice behind me, the, the Fenway Park picture up there. Um, I am not shy about the fact that I'm a Red Sox fan living in Cleveland. Yes, I, I understand that's going to get some slander from people. 
But uh, the other one is Ohio State. Like, I, I ride that emotional wave with this team as much as anybody. My wife and I do. My wife does the exact same thing. Um, so we very much, you know, bounce off of each other, just being negative about the, the state of Ohio State. She was she she went to bed, by the way, before the first half was even over. She said she had seen enough. And it was probably a good move because I feel like that game took years off my life. But um, so she can, she actually sometimes can be a little more hyperbolic than me. But because I ride, ride that wave, as Nick likes to point out, I, uh, I'm going to go from being in the light gray last week, uh, literally a week ago, to now moving into the light scarlet all of a sudden. Because I, I think that tonight was a, a, a game that exposed some true problems with this team, most notably with the offensive line, most notably with the quarterback position, and leaves some more questions rather than answers about Ryan Day. And that's maybe the best way to put what I talked about earlier in the show is I think previous years, yeah, you lost to Michigan, but you at least walked away from the season feeling like there were some answers to the problems that you saw. You responded with a win in the Rose Bowl over Utah a couple years ago, a lot of new faces, big name players bursting onto the scene in that game, and you felt good about things. Last year, okay, you lose to Michigan, but you go to the playoff, you near, you take Georgia to the break, almost win it, could have won a national championship, and you fall short. And so all of a sudden, uh, you feel like there's still some potential and some momentum moving in your direction with this team. And this year is the first year where it, it's just like carpet ripped off underneath you. You lose to Michigan again, and then you run into a brick wall in this game, and it just feels very discouraging and dilapidating. And we now have to have that image, the image of this Missouri loss burned into our memory for the next six plus months uh, as we before we get ready for a, a new season in the fall, which is just uh, miserable to think about. Um, I will say, because I ride that emotional wave, are you guys in agreement with me that a, a, a win over Michigan, or sorry, a, a loss by Michigan to Alabama in the college football playoff would make me feel better about things? I think that's kind of the, the, the emotional swings of this mat, this rivalry and of this, this Ohio State Buckeyes team is that you ingrain yourself not only in what your team is doing, but also what your biggest rival is do, is is uh is doing. So if if, if Michigan goes out uh and in, in on Sunday or sorry on Monday and they lose to to Alabama, I will revel in it. I will laugh at their expense, especially if it's a it's a, a lopsided affair. How they didn't belong in the playoff. And guess what? Michigan fans can throw it right back in my face and say, "Well, neither did Ohio State, and we and we beat you guys in three years in a row." Blah blah blah, and they'll be right. But it'll it, it feels a little bit better knowing that uh, Michigan gets uh, gets nothing and they lose. In the words of Willy Wonka, as well, if Ohio State can't have nice things in any given season. All right, I'm going to get you out of here with this to wrap up our post game edition of Sons of the Shoe as we put the finishing touches on our recap show from the Cotton Bowl, a miserable 14 to three loss to Missouri where it seemed like Ohio State just had nothing offensively, no answers, absolutely zilch, nada, uh, which that'll tease nicely into what my leave it'll be. But I start with love it, like it, or leave it with my love it of the night, which is going to be a player I mentioned earlier in the show, Jack Sawyer, three sacks tonight, the performance of his life 
maybe not his life, but the his Ohio State career, his Ohio State Buckeyes life. He put on a show. He was fantastic. Had me reminiscing and and thinking back, flashing back to the the Bosa brother days here at Ohio State. It was uh, it was really good to see him burst out in a big way, and he I think has come on strong in the in down the stretch of the season in general this year. So that was encouraging, and the fact that he said leading up to this game that he is more than likely to return to Ohio State is an encouraging thing because I think this defensive line with him and some others that might come back could be really really good again next year. My like it is going to be sticking on the defensive side of the ball, Denzel Burke, who was also great flying up, making plays in the run game, but also the defense as a whole. And I'll even lump into it. This is kind of a, uh, a, a, a bundled like it, uh, Jim Knowles. I, I thought Jim Knowles was great this, uh, in this game. It's the one sort of positive if, if you're trying to find anything positive to take away, the play of the defense and his play calling, I thought was great. And I think largely all year that's been the case. I, I know people were always looking to blame him. I know people were always looking to throw him under the bus as, as a problem. But, guys, he's gotten a lot out of this defense. He was the, re- the, the defense was the reason Ohio State was 11-1 on the season. He was, with, without Jim Knowles and the effort he put he, he put into this, this team this year, and you, generally year two with Jim Knowles goes really, really well, as it did for the Buckeyes. Um, I, I don't know where this team would have been otherwise. Like, like he, I can't say enough about that group. Um, they were really, really good. They got better, I think, as the season went on, and certain individuals got better as the season went on, including Jack Sawyer, who I mentioned. So I, I was blown away by the effort tonight. It's the – let's put it this way. When I get off the air here and uh, wrap up this live show, I will go to bed – dreaming about that dominant defense and the potential that it could look very similar next year. And I will be hope and hoping that keeps away the nightmares of whatever the hell it is we watched from the offensive side of the ball. Um, and that'll do it for like it. Let's go to leave it to wrap up the show. My leave it really just the entire game. Can we take that tape, burn it, bury it, uh, bury the ashes under the ground, six feet under, never mention it again. I really never want to have the pro here's the problem. I really don't want to have to talk about this game again because um, it, it was miserable. It was miserable to watch. It's been miserable to talk about. I'm living in my fears. I think many uh, other Ohio state fans are living in their fears. They're ready to run Ryan day out of town again. It's like a, a month ago when we were having these conversations and I'm going to have to talk about it again because I didn't get to talk about it with Nick tonight. So that means this conversation isn't going to end for me and I can't just, uh, men in black vaporized the the memory of this 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 game and the highlights of this game. Were there even any highlights? Were there any? I, I don't know. I, I guess the two touchdowns that Missouri scored were uh, were highlights in this one. That's about it. And the Jack Sawyer sacks. That's about all we got from uh, in the form of highlights in this game. Um, so yeah, like I, I want to be able to do that, but I'm not going to be able to do that because Nick didn't get a chance to respond and react. He's going to be back with me when we do the show. Our Tuesday edition will drop coming your way next week. Uh, we'll get back on schedule and on track with you there. And uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty of thoughts on uh, on this game as well. I'm also sure Nick's always good for trying to talk me off the ledge. Always. He's always good for trying to talk me off the ledge. I, I, I admit it. I'm very emotional when it comes to this team. I admit it that uh, I'm riding that wave. And like many of you, I, I'm walking away from this one a little bit panicked about what the future holds. 
at uh, certain core areas of this team, specifically a quarterback and offensive line. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous as hell about the decisions that this team's going to make. And this program's going to make in the coming weeks and months as they get ready for 2024. And I'm sure Nick will try to tell me it's going to be okay and convince us all that Ryan day is still a good coach. I look forward to having that conversation. Even if I think he's wrong, even if you think he's wrong on the next episode of sons of the shoe. In the meantime, please, please, please follow like subscribe, all of those different options, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Odyssey app, of course, you can find this also at 92thefan.com and the 92thefan YouTube page where many of you are watching and getting involved in the show tonight. We are a new podcast, and we're trying to stay relevant and on the scene and, and inform you guys and keep the conversation going well into the offseason and, and into the fall next year, getting you ready for the 2024 campaign. But we can't do it without your support, of course. It, it, it's going to be a long off season, a long, cold off season, but we're going to keep these conversations going because there's going to be so much to talk about with this team moving forward. And we look forward to having those with you uh, all off season long. So please, like I said, follow, like, subscribe, all of it, wherever you get your podcast, keep sticking, staying in touch with Nick and I, Nick Wilson says on Twitter at Spencito underscore for me, as uh, we look for your input and commentary, like we got tonight uh, for the shows. And we, until we do it again, Thanks for watching and listening and go Bucks.